I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Numbers in chapter 11. The book of Numbers in chapter 11. As you know, Moses had a few problems, about two and a half million of them. How would you like to be Moses? Live in a desert for 40 years. He might not have ever had a filet mignon. I mean, he had manna for 40 years. And we whine. Look for what they had to go through. But look what he says there in Numbers in chapter 11. Look in verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? I mean, what you got against me? I mean, what have I done wrong lately? God, why did you do this to me? He was content to be on the backside of the desert with his wife and kids, and for 40 years he was there. And then God said, hey, I got a job for you. He gave God five reasons why he was not the man for the job. And God had to tell him why he was the man for the job. And he kept giving one excuse after the other in the book of Exodus of why he was not the man. But he was the man. And so he says, Wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? What in the world have I done that you did this to me? Well, he says in verse 12, Have I conceived all these people? I mean, I didn't, these are not my kids. Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say to me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a sucking child unto the land which thou sweareth unto their fathers? When shall I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. How can I take care of these people? We're out in the middle of a wilderness, and they want meat to eat. They're sick and tired of this manna that you've been giving them. And they complain. So here's Moses. What's he going to do? So he says in verse 13, When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it's too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of thy hand. I, he said, If I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. Don't let me see how weak I am. Don't let me see what a failure I am because I can't provide. You've given me a bigger job than I can handle. You ever feel like that? He said, I don't want to see how bad I am. So the Lord told him, says, look, I, I, can, I can solve this problem. So he says there in verse 17, and I will come down, God said, and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. He says, you get 70 men together. And I'm going to take the spirit that I gave to you. And I'm going to spread it out among them so that they can help bear that burden. Did you know that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon a person to do the job? And if you want to have an idea, the difference that it made. All you got to do is read these scriptures. Because, you see, the people didn't have the wisdom that Moses had to make the decisions for the people. Because when you put two and a half million people together, you got problems. If you got a hundred people, you got at least a hundred problems. If you got ten people, you got ten problems. Because people are problems. Everyone who has a job is because somebody else has a problem. And we're all problem solvers. The reason we have church is because everybody has a problem. 
Believe it or not. Christ came into the world because the world had a problem. We're problem solvers. You're looking for answers. But look what he says. And it says, And they shall bear the burden of the people. With thee that thou bear it not thyself alone. So he says, And I'm going to give them some flesh to eat. Verse 20, But even a whole month. He said, I'm not going to give them food just for one day because they kept crying, I want some meat to eat. He says, I'm not going to give it to them for a day. I'm not going to give it to them for a week. I'm going to give them meat for a whole month till it comes out their nostrils. In verse 20, and even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you because that you have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? So Moses was to get to people and tell them all of this stuff here. Look at verse 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hands waxed short? In other words, there's a person that got a problem, but my hand, I got a short hand. I can't reach it. Now God can reach. God can do things because that's who God is. That's what God does. He's powerful. Me and God, well, we can handle anything. Me and God. Without him, I can do how much? Nothing. But with God, you can do all things. You are supposed to believe that. The same spirit that was upon him dwells within us. Did you know you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? And the Holy Spirit is to teach you the Word of God to give you wisdom and discernment so that you can know the things that God has for you. Now look what else he says. Look down at verse 25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the Spirit that was upon him, gave it unto the seventy elders when he came to pass, that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit, gave them wisdom on how to counsel two and a half million people. See, he was having to deal with them from morning till night. They needed spiritual discernment, understanding spiritual truths, understanding what the Word of God said, the law of God, and teaching the people, and God enabled them to do it. They couldn't do it before. You know, I've seen a lot of Christians. They limit themselves by their own limited thinking. They don't realize that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you got a new birth. A new birth with different talents and abilities to do things you couldn't do before. You see, you're still limiting yourself according to the limitations of the flesh. Otherwise, if you're only going to go by the talents and abilities that you have physically, what do you need the Holy Spirit for? What makes the difference? But there is a difference. Did you know the Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you yielded yourself to the Lord, He can teach you wisdom, give you understanding that you can't get no other way. It can change your life, and you can have the power that you need to make a difference. So they had it, and they were able to do so. And then they say, hey, wait, there's two more that, uh, they're, they're not in the group, but they're over there prophesying. What should we do? Bring down fire from heaven and zap them. He said, no. In verse 29, And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. 
And yet here we are in the New Testament where the Bible says that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Same Spirit that came on them dwells in you. And if that can make a difference, then it can make a difference to you and to me. Now, this is very important. But there's a scripture I want you to see in the book of Exodus 35. Turning your Bible to the book of Exodus in chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. We'll look at chapter 35 and also part of Exodus 36. But in chapter 35, as you know, they were going through the wilderness and they're going to make this uh, tabernacle. You remember that when they were getting ready to leave Egypt, he said, I want you to spoil the Egyptians. Remember, they had worked for 400 years and had been paid very well. They were slaves. But because they were slaves, they lacked a lot of the intellectual ability to do a lot of trades, to work with metal and skins and curtains and silver and gold and all the things that needed to be done for the tabernacle. They'd been slaves. They didn't have the knowledge. So now they're asked to do something they had never done before. Well, interesting. Look here in verse 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take you from among you an offering unto the Lord, and you ought to underline this part, Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Remember, where did they get all this stuff? Well, they had spoiled the Egyptians. It means that they finally got paid for all their labors. But maybe not all of them. But look in verse 6. And it says, in the blue and the purple and the scarlet and the fine linen, goat's hair and all that stuff. All the way down to the, Look in verse 10. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded. So the Lord commanded and that they were supposed to fulfill this, but they had to have material. They had to have the silver. They had to have the gold. Everything that they needed. Here right in the middle of a wilderness, they had. And God was going to do something for these people that they didn't know that they could do. They didn't have the wisdom, the understanding. But God can qualify you for whatever it is He wants you to do. Did you know that if you dedicate your life to the Lord... God, there's a price to pay. But the Holy Spirit that lives within you can teach you things and give you discernment and spiritual understanding you didn't have before. God can give you talents and abilities you didn't have before. You see, you're going by what you did in the flesh, and you think that's the limitations of it. It's not the truth. Otherwise, what would be the purpose of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit if it makes no difference? Makes a difference. You may not be availing yourself of the power that's already within you. Or the wisdom that you could have. The spiritual understanding you could have. If you would only let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you through the pages of this book. 
Look there in Exodus in chapter 35. Look there in verse 20 where it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart, maybe not everybody, but everyone whose heart, and you ought to underline that word, stirred him up, stirred him up. And everyone whom his spirit made willing. You see, he wants the ones that wants to do it, desires to do it, willing to do it. And look down in verse 20. And they came, both men and, and what? Men and what? I can't hear you. Women. Say it again. Women. So can God use women? <laughs> Evidently. You see, it applies to them too. Men and the women. As many as were willing hearted. It means they weren't being forced to. They didn't have to. They wanted to. You see, the key to serving the Lord is the desire. I want the will of God for my life. I want to do something with my life. Look what he says in verse 23. And every man. Look in verse 24. Everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. Every man. Every man. Look in verse 25. All the women that were wise-hearted, did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun. They had to make certain things. And God, through the Holy Spirit, taught them and gave them talents and skills and ability and understanding they didn't have before. You see, you can read that in the Old Testament, but did you know in the New Testament, God says in Colossians chapter 1, where we just read, that you might be filled with all the wisdom of God and spiritual understanding. And in the very next verse, that you may walk worthy unto all pleasing to do the will of the Father. So, how you doing? Are you learning the Word of God? Are you studying the Word of God? Do you realize that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you to teach you and to lead you, to guide you, but He never leads you or guides you contrary to this book? It is the Holy Spirit, not unholy spirit. He'll never lead you to do that which is wrong. He never leads you astray. He never leads you contrary to the book. He never leads you to be ashamed to the Father by the things that you say and you do. It's never of God. That's the flesh, not the spirit. Look what else he says down here. I want you to look down in verse 29. Verse 29. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And so all these things were done, and they learned talent, they learned ability, and God was able to bless them. Look what he says there in chapter 36. It says there, then brought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man. Get this. You ought to underline this. In whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. Did you see that? They didn't have it before. They couldn't do it before. You see, 
All God's looking for is a willing servant, a dedicated nobody that's willing to be whatever God wants them to be. And the Lord is able to teach you and give you talent and abilities to do whatever it is it, He wants you to do with your life. You say, well, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. That was before. Now you're a child of God. Things change. You don't know what you could do or what you could be, what you could accomplish. Life is short. Learn all you can. Accomplish all you can. Because as you go through life, you'll find out that your maturing always depends upon the things you've already learned. And if you fail to pass these little tests back here, you have to take them over. Some Christians never get out of K-4. They're still in the sandbox. Still out there in the wilderness. They never enjoy any battles because, you see, they never get into the promised land. There are weak Christians. You can't depend on them to do a work for the Lord. I want you to work for the Lord, to have something for God. Well, look what else he says here. It makes a statement in verse 2, the last part of it. It says, And every wise-hearted man, in whose heart the Lord hath put wisdom, and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. You see, that's what God's looking for. He's not trying to make anybody do anything. He wants you to want to do something, to want to give, to want to be whatever God wants. You see, most churches, most preachers, we feel like we have, I guess, out in the West where you, you lasso this uh, little doggy, and you got to pull them in. Do they come willingly? Or do they fight the rope? Do they want to be branded? Lay down. Hold still. Don't move. And some Christians are just always fighting. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of God's people had a willing heart. Say, Lord, use me any way you want. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Here I am. I'm yours. I belong to you. Use me. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, churches would be packed. Mission fields. Evangelists. Bible college. Everything rolling. The way God wants it to. But look at something else. I want you to look in verse Five, where it says, and they spake unto Moses, saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. Did you, did you read what he just said? They brought more than we need. In verse 6, and Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman, make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. Wouldn't it be neat every Sunday? Hey, look, we got so much money we don't need anymore. That's not the case, so don't you take me hard on that. God, the Holy Spirit, can do things. Because sometimes, you see, He takes the desire that you have. 
and can develop the talent. God is more interested in character than talent. There's a lot of people who've got a lot of talent, but they're not worth a quarter because they have no character. Character over talent any day. I'd rather have somebody who's faithful with a little talent than somebody who's got all the talent in the world, but they won't use it for God. You see, there's some people, they can't be used because, you see, keep looking back. See what everybody else is doing. Taking opinion polls. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to serve a lot. Well, you know, I'm not either. Well, there's a man of conviction. I made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I didn't care what anybody else did. I had to decide for me. Christ died for me. That's all the motive I've ever needed. I don't serve the Lord because I want to get something. I want to serve Him because I've already got something. Because of what He hath done. Not because of what He's going to do. For the love of Christ constraineth me because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that they which live should not live for themselves, but unto him who died for them. That should be all the motive you need. He saved me and gave me eternal life, forgave me of all of my sins. I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me. Maybe that doesn't move you. Maybe it doesn't touch you. But that touches me. That moves me. I want to serve the Lord. You don't have to try to make me do anything. I do what I do willingly. Because the Lord means that much to me. Nobody can make you serve the Lord. All depends on what He means to you. He means a lot to you. You want to serve Him. If it doesn't mean much to you, then you won't. It all depends on... Your perspective. There's a human perspective and a divine perspective. Do you see you the way God sees you? Look up here. Now, I've been talking to those who know Christ as Savior. And there is a, a commitment that you make in serving the Lord. There's a price to pay. But that's not to get to heaven. Going to heaven is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. This hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. But he says we committed the sin and we owe a debt. So we have to pay for it. Eternal separation from God in hell. But God says he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. You see... God does not allow any sin into heaven. He says, by your good works, you'll never be good enough. You cannot earn eternal life. That's why you don't go to heaven because, well, I went to church. Or I gave money. I lived a good life. All that has nothing to do with going to heaven. You've already sinned. You're going to hell. All your good works won't change that. Living good for the rest of your life won't change this. You have no hope. Unless it was Christ who came. And he did. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He didn't sin. He didn't have to die. But because he loves us and our sin separates us from him. 
Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn that. You don't work for that. It's the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ain't that good news? See, that's free. We get to go to heaven because of what he did for us. And there's nothing that you have to do except, just, just, would you just believe that? Believe it. See, if you believe he paid for your sins, then you're not trying to earn your way to heaven. The only reason people believe they have to earn their way to heaven is because they don't believe he really paid for all their sins. They think that their being good helps take care of some of their sins. In one word. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross for me. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And right now I will trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God says if you would trust him, he would save you. He'd give you eternal life. Never cast you out. Never lose you. And you can know that you're going to heaven. See, there's no tricks to that, no gimmicks. If what I've said made sense to you, I'd like to know it. I'd like to have prayer for you. But I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, if what I've said made sense to you and you say, Preacher, pray for me, I know I have eternal life because this morning I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I want you to know it. And I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? You that know Christ as your Savior, serving the Lord, there's a price to pay. But serve Him because you love Him. Not because you have to, because you want to. Be a person of a willing heart, a willing mind. Do it because He means something to you. Discipline your life. God will bless you for doing so. And you'd be surprised how God can change your life. What he can do for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one. We pray, Lord, that you would grant them the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding they need, that they may walk worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.